do you want to be apart from being an athlete? Our hope and prayer here on More Than an Athlete is to provide short, helpful, and biblical content that will equip you in becoming more like Christ and making Him known in your athletic spheres. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this week's episode. What's up, athletes, you guys? I am so grateful today because we have a guest who I've learned a lot from, and his name is Luke Holt, and he played college baseball at Greenville University and spent 12 years as a basketball coach and a baseball coach. Him and his wife, Megan, have three kids and currently live in Kansas City. And I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with this incredible ministry called Fellowship of Christian Athletes, also known as FCA. And this is a ministry that actually allowed me to meet some older athletes who are following Christ and is a big part of my personal story. And Luke is the FCA Greater KC Multi-Area Director. And you know, I was thinking of a verse that would be a great introduction to Luke. And what I thought of was Proverbs 17:22, A cheerful heart that is good medicine. And from the years of knowing him, you guys, he has just been such an encourager to me in ministry. And it is just so clear that him and his family's mission is to see God change lives uh, with the gospel through athletes and those around him. So, Luke, thank you so much for being on here. Wow. Uh, I feel honored already. Uh, great. <laughs> your presence. You're, uh, you know how I feel about you. I just think that God has really blessed you and, and ordained you to just see life transform to be a multiplier. And that's a, that's a beautiful, that's something that I want to celebrate, but just hearing a little bit of your story, just that you were impacted. So humbling. Uh, and it's, I'm, I'm thankful. So yeah, appreciate the time. So. Yeah, let's go. I, I first want to hear Luke just about your story. And I know that FCA was even involved in that yourself. So I want to hear your story. And even when you began to see athletics differently, cause I know that was a big part of it. That's great. Uh, you know, I grew up, uh, my mom and dad, we, uh, grew up in a little bit of a broken home. My, my dad left at a very young age, and then um, another dad came into the scene, and, and that didn't work. And then another dad came into the scene. He's, he's still a stepdad figure in my life. And so, you know, that part of my life has had an interesting journey, uh, just having that father figure. But I had a coach step into my life at a very young age, and I was an athlete. I loved it. I threw a baseball up against a brick wall every day. Uh, throwing grounders to myself and just daydreaming about the World Series and everything. Just, you know, everything that a little athlete just dreams of that day of competing at a high level. And that was me. But really for a long, long time, and even into my college athletic days, uh, it was for my glory. Uh, and even, I say that even as a believer, I, I found Christ at a young age, grew up in a home. My mom, even though the, the male side, the father side was a little unsteady, my mom always brought us into church, and, and beyond that, shared stories of, powerful stories that our, our King Jesus uh, spoke into words uh, through the Bible, and, you know, constantly would tell us about it, but, you know, uh, my flesh is my flesh, and I'm a recovering glory junkie still to this day. Uh, I love my name being written in the lights. That's all there is to it. A former athlete, and then got to be a coach, yeah. but this coach stepped into my life, and uh, things changed for the better. Uh, he invested in me. He loved me. And I've never felt that uh, quite like I did from him uh, with anybody else. And that was really special. And I wanted to be that. I, I wanted to go and be a coach because of my coach. Uh, I don't know that there's a greater influencer in the world of sport than 
the coach. Uh, it's just so powerful, and I love um, that God put that person in my life at a very, very special time. Fifth grade is when he entered my life, and we still talk often. Uh, became uh, just a continued leader in my life, even going into my education career. And then when I left education, God called us into full-time ministry, the FCA. He was a part of that. And so he really spoke uh, that competitive edge into me. He was a fierce competitor, too. But he also he taught me a lot of things about just humility and love and and following the Lord. He, along with others, spoke into me. Uh, I knew it, but I didn't put it into practice. Uh, it came much later. It actually came after my college baseball career and into coaching when I saw that God is redeeming my heart and there's a different way to compete. Uh, it was totally flesh. And I think in that moment when, when I was going through, I thought if you're going to compete as a Christian, that's not a fierce competitor. That's like kind of laying over, being humble, being gentle, and you can't match it up with fierce competitor. Yeah. And it was, it was some guys with FCA um, as a coach that taught me, you know, Jesus Christ is actually the greatest competitor to have ever walked the face of the earth. I mean, who, whoever, um, nobody can match Jesus. I mean, yeah. the enemy through the greatest forces, death, Right, the weight of sin and death, and and Jesus said, "Bring it on!" And I'm winning, I'm gonna win. So, he put the fierce competitor inside us, but it was for the the God of the universe's glory, right? right? And so, it came much later in life where I realized that my scoreboard did not need to become whether I won or lost, how I performed in the competition, how I felt about myself. It was really the only true scoreboard was did I honor Christ in my competition and by honoring Christ in my competition I got after it yeah because Jesus Christ got after it and that's that's a little part of my story of of change and tried to instill that in athletes that I've had uh, the honor of coaching since yeah. it, it came later it's amazing what was that coach's name his name is rich well okay yeah. I love hearing that story because I love how you guys still have that relationship and how it wasn't just in fifth grade and how he really had that discipleship mindset of life on life. Like he continued as you were a teacher and then you became a coach. So I think that's just a neat example throughout your story because now you're doing the same thing for other athletes and it's just that multiplication effect, which is amazing. And from that, I think once you came to Christ and even seeing your life these last couple years, I just noticed this zeal and passion. Even when we were talking before this, just sharing some stories of what the Lord is doing, like there is such joy and passion and zeal, uh, which I think is totally from the Lord. And uh, what do you think has developed that zeal and passion in you for athletes to know the gospel? Grace is the Lord. I mean, I don't, I don't have zeal without Him, right? Uh, man. Thanks for asking that. Thanks for seeing that in me. I have to tell you, it's him. It's him and him alone. Uh, knowing that I was dead in my sin, dead in my transgression, at war with God. Um, but God, being rich in mercy, I didn't realize that when I first gave my life to the Lord. It was more of a savior, right? A, a, a savior and and and. Even a transactional then, it was Savior and King, Savior and Lord, realizing the cost, right? And I think about my King um, hanging on the cross uh, yeah. and, and Him being victorious over sin, 
because he chose me and he chose me. Uh, nothing in this universe makes me feel like he does. Mm. Uh, I used to think that all kinds of things. I mean, uh, all conference player of the week, pretty good feeling. A lot of people reaching out, hey, way to go. Uh, first team all conference, uh, going to pro tryouts, those kind of things. Like, man, it feels pretty good. It feels yeah. pretty good. Nothing, nothing compares to love of Christ because it's everlasting. All those things have failed me. And I and Grace, I've felt that I've experienced the world and tangible things failing me over time. I still, because I'm not perfect, I still experience that. And I come back to the truth in the gospel that our King will never fail us. And and I think that's what gives me a lot of passion and zeal. Knowing that God uh, you know, he clearly says, you are my ambassadors. Right? I am making my appeal to man through you. I don't feel the weight of responsibility. Oh, it's on me because ultimately it's on him. Right. But I find joy and passion that he's actually the God of the universe. Who There's not a single molecule in, in the universes upon universes in which he does not say, mine. Right. Mine. It's all his. That God says, Luke, come with me. Hmm. Follow me. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. I mean, I cannot believe that he has chosen me as a son, has chosen you as his daughter. He invites us into this world that he's transformed me. It's, uh, I don't ever want to take it for granted. Yeah. I'm thankful for conversations like this. I'm thankful for opportunities that the Holy Spirit reminds me that he chose me, that I did not get there on my own. There's not a single thing that I can do to earn the grace of God that is freeing yeah. for a fierce competitor, a glory junkie man who goes and gets something done for an Enneagram 3. If you got Enneagrammers, I didn't like who just get stuff done. Woo, it's humbling to know that I'm not doing anything. It's all him. Uh, and I need to hear that every single day. So that, in a way, has developed a zeal in me. Uh, Grace, I, I'm thankful you brought it up. There's a, I just read this. After you presented this, you know, God puts things. I'm reading through Revelation. He's finishing up with the churches, and it's in Revelation 3. A lot of believers know Revelation 3.20. Uh, I, I'm so thankful when the Lord opens my eyes to Scripture that I've, I've never seen before. I've read it, but I've never seen it. And Ephesians 3.20 is that, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Scripture, right? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. I've heard that a lot. seen paintings about it. heard sermons about it. The verse before it, setting the table, Jesus says, Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So, be zealous and repent. I thought, well, I've never seen repentance butted up with zealousness ever in the Bible. And here is Jesus saying, be zealous and repent. And a friend taught me that repentance is certainly not Jesus with his hands on his hips in shame. I mean, Jesus is not uh, projecting shame on anybody. That's a tool of the enemy. It's not uh, him on his hips, shaking his head. You know, making that noise that you just walk like a dog with his tail between his legs, 
Uh, repentance is a joyful turning to a gracious, gracious Savior. Yeah. And that, mm, thinking about the story he told of the prodigal son, the dad running to the son that's Jesus, and our repentance turning to him. So being zealous and repent, they, they go hand in hand in my opinion because I, I cannot be zealous without repenting. And what good is repenting without the zeal that the Lord gives me? And that's a little bit of my zealous yeah. story, I guess. Man, it's I, hard to talk about that because yeah. I, I guard myself against this glory junkie uh, man that lies deep within grace. Mm. So good. I feel like we can stop right there after hearing just the humility in that of how you're combining that repentance with that zeal is just such a great thing for myself to hear, for athletes to hear. So I love that. And thinking about an athlete, maybe that's listening to this, and they're struggling to find that zeal um, and maybe weary in their passion for making disciples and kind of in a hard spot with that, what would you want to say to them? I would remind them of the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, that God loves us, create us in his image, and that we're broken by our sin. Um, but God, rich in mercy, brought his son to die for us. And are we believing in that gospel? Are we responding to that gospel? Everything gets out of whack when we forget the gospel, Grace. Right. We forget that it is all him. If we're sharing the gospel, our story, and it starts with I, the word I, <laughs> we've already forgotten mm -hmm. And so for an athlete, a coach, anybody struggling in their zeal or their passion for making disciples, I would, I would stop there and say, let's talk about the gospel. Yeah. Are you feeling the redemption of your king? Uh, because if you're not, then I don't know how you would be zealous and fired up about the Great Commission, about making disciples. It, it starts with the gospel. You, you can't get there without the the first and so I, I would I, I would we, we skip over we we don't preach the gospel to ourselves grace I've got to preach the gospel to myself every single day I mean I I cannot share that truth with my wife and my kids and not allow it to sink first into my heart right. I mean our culture even in Christian ministry grace even we were talking about how God's really you know really starting to this podcast and people are wanting to come be a part of it and it's just phenomenal um what we can't forget is long before through ministry mm -hmm. right there was in he's doing something in us long before through but it's amazing how the enemy brings that short-term memory on the end what has he done in me and we just through every day boom Boom, yeah. boom, we're just through. We're not digesting what he is bringing into our life. And uh, I'm reminded of a story in the scriptures in Luke 10. Luke 8, 9, and 10 are amazing discipleship scriptures, by the way. Uh, love them in Luke 10. He sends out the 72. And they come back, and, the, and he gives them the power and authority. That's also where we find the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Pray earnestly. I don't know if people heard that. Pray earnestly. Get on your knees. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest. There's a repentance and humility just in that discipline. Yeah. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers in his field. All that happens, well, they send out the 72, Jesus does. They come back and they cannot believe. They cannot believe that demons were cast out in their name. 
things happened. It was crazy. Just this amazing. And they're celebrating. They're high-fiving. They're having this, like, just celebration feast over all God's done. And, like, a great coach in the middle of a practice when the athletes think things are going awesome. And he's seen something that they never seen. He blows the whistle. Our king blows the whistle and he says, guys, listen. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, meaning I saw his turn to evil that quick, that quick. Don't rejoice that the demons are cast out in your name. Rejoice that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. He's saying, don't rejoice in all the things that I do through you. Rejoice that you are mine. Rejoice that you're mine. The body of Christ in some ways, has forgotten how we even got to be a part of the body of Christ, that we are His. And I think we got to start there. We try to solve problems with all kinds of other things, Grace. I love your question. I feel the Spirit lead me in how we answer that because we, we skip past the original truth that we've got to start with yeah. in any situation so in good. tough time. Yeah, so good. And I was thinking of whenever I had someone that discipled me and a question she would ask when I'm like, Hey, I just, I'm not feeling close to God. I'm in the word. Like what's going on is when was the last time you shared the gospel with someone? And I think in that it's sharing the gospel with myself and reminding myself of what Christ has done for me and that I can live in that. And I was reading in Ephesians three this morning, just talking about his love is such a mystery to even grasp how much he loves us from the depth and the width of how his love is for us. So I just think that's so good because it's simple. And yesterday I, we were recording, we were talking about how the gospel is so simple to sit in. And I just think that's a great answer for that. And would you think of any other practicals of even if someone is, you know, they're fired up about dis disciple making, they want to do this. How, how do they do that? How do I, I'm an athlete uh, following Christ on a campus, there's either a lot of Christians, there's not many, uh, some are half in, half out. How do I, how do I do this? How do I make disciples? Yeah. yeah I mean, we got to start with one. We got to start with one. Uh, I'll say I, I got really fired up about discipleship later in my life, mm -hmm. uh, about that time that my heart got set on fire being a coach. I mean, I was like 25, 26, mid twenties. I know I look like I'm 28 <laughs> now, but I'm, I'm older than that. Uh, <laughs> several years older than that but in my mid-20s uh god lit this fire mm -hmm. and i'm like well what are we gonna do reading books and this and and starting to get an idea of what it's supposed to look like and what i realized is um i had a little bit of this paralysis by analysis right i mean it's like well you're not ready mm -hmm. you gotta do this you gotta do that you know i tell you what Jesus was so phenomenal in inviting people into making disciples right out of the gate. Yeah. Right out of the gate. Not full-fledged. I mean, it took three years to develop these guys. So, so we, we think, we believe. You know, it took three years before he, like, was actually gone. But as far as waiting to, like, give them this opportunity, it was immediate. Mm -hmm. Inviting them into ministry, them seeing it and participating in that and I would encourage a practical a practical way is to invite being a pursuing a pursuing discipler. And that's who Jesus was, right? Hey, Matthew, come follow me. Peter, Andrew, James, John, follow yeah. me. Right? If we're waiting for someone to come to you and say, Hey, would you mentor me? Which is 
which is a really noble act for somebody to come and, and try to find a mentor, discipler, uh, but be a pursuing discipler just like Jesus was and trust him with the results, right? There, there's, there's nothing, um, there's no shame in, in, in that, right? There's no failure is the right words, pardon. Right. Uh, no failure in going and trying. I mean, you learn. And at 26, I've had a lot of failures, quote unquote, failures in, in discipleship. The great relationships, great relationships, and many have just stayed right there. I think I'm a, I'm a great brother in Christ to them, but as far as going on and making disciples, right, uh, you know, maybe it didn't happen, maybe it did, and I don't put that on me, I put that on the Spirit's work, the vision was there, the equipping was there, and our job is to plant and water seeds, God makes it grow. Mm. I would start there, I would start there. Everybody wants to be big, right, hey, you don't, you don't get there, start small. Start with one. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So good. How, Luke, how have you seen discipleship be worth it? <laughs> uh, well, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't know Christ if, if Jesus didn't put the model of discipleship into play. I mean, I, I, I was, wouldn't, I, I wouldn't know who he is if the disciples didn't hear the Great Commission, have their hearts lit on fire, made it their life's work from that point till death to make disciples, neither of us would be mm -hmm. believers, by the way. It would never have crossed the pond and got over here. Yeah. Uh, so that in itself, selfishly, is worth it. Uh, what I would say is, you know, it works because it's his plan. Um, I, I don't make disciples because FCA, the organization that I, I unbelievably get to be a part of and, and work with because they say. Um, I don't make disciples because it's taught uh, from the stage at my local church. I don't, I don't make disciples because I've, I've read some books that tell me to make disciples. I make disciples because uh, when I was 25, 26, I read Matthew 28 and had another friend of my Matthew 28 and I couldn't unsee it. I couldn't unsee God's command to make disciples. It wasn't a suggestion and it's an act of obedience. And um, it works because it's his plan. Uh, practical stories though, I mean, we've got multiple areas in the greater Kansas City area where coaches and athletes have also caught this vision to make disciples. Uh, Grace, you're one of them. Uh, you came to me a year ago and said, man, I, I'm gonna be leaving how can you help me make disciples? Just so happens that FCA just had released just recently our disciple-making way of life, our strategy as we engage, equip, and empower. It's just our strategy right out of uh, Matthew 28 to make disciples and the biblical principles and, and patterns of how those principles are carried out in one's life. Very simple, reproducible, sustainable ways. It's not rocket science. Some really like to make it difficult. It isn't. If it was rocket science, he wouldn't have chosen a bunch of fishermen to do it, right? And he certainly wouldn't have chose me. I can tell you that right now. He absolutely, I'm not going to mention my ACT score on here, uh, but I, uh, he would not have chosen me if it was going to be rocket science or complicated. Uh, and, and the enemy does paint that picture. It's not, right? Um, it's sharing in the grace of Christ and helping each other grow in Christ. But we've seen it explode for those persons of peace 
who want, they receive the message, they respond to the message, they tell others about that message, they want to see God's let their hearts on fire to see others. And it works because it's his mm-hmm. plan, not uh, ours, uh, FCAs yeah. or, or the local, it's, it's his plan and that's that's why it works. And uh, it's messy, Grace, uh, it, it's not flashy, It's um, it takes time, uh, it's countercultural. There's, there's a lot of reasons to not do it from the world. But there's one reason to do it, because it's God's plan to transform the world. And I'm trusting that. I'm trusting that because I trust yeah, him. So good. And it makes me so grateful. I, I'm emotional because I think of our campus, my campus, where I played, where I was a college athlete, and how you're right. Like, that is what God's plan is. And I've seen it so clearly time and time again be worth it because it does work. And he just has such low standards that we get to play a part in it. And it is just the neatest thing to me of watching him provide. Like we watched that last year. He provided those disciples. uh, And it's just so sweet to watch uh, and be a part of. So I, I love what you said about that, because it is messy, it is hard, but it is so worth it, and God is so worth it to go into discipleship. Yeah, and you, we were talking about it before, but you're a great example of this, Grace. I remember some key things from our relationship and time together, and how you wanted to be a competitor that didn't worship on the weekends, or at your, um, you know, your really neat journal, and Bible open, a cup of coffee, in the morning, you wanted to worship him all the time. And as a high elite tennis athlete, Division One tennis athlete, you wanted your identity in Christ to transcend everything that you're a part of. Well, um, being a part of a disciple-making way of life does something amazing for the body of Christ. Uh, one of my favorite scriptures I can find in Romans is the body of Christ. is We, we rejoice when others rejoice, and we weep when others weep. And it's, it's amazing how, especially in the culture of sport, <laughs> how we rejoice when others are weeping because we got ours, right? Even with our own teammates. I mean, you talked very specifically about that yourself, Grace. You talked about your own teammates, how like this competitive to hit, to, to get to number one or to make the starting lineup. I mean, it is a, it is a competitor's yeah. world. And you cannot tell me that Jesus can't come in and redeem that and you still compete. Right, because he was the greatest competitor ever. And a disciple-making way of life changes everything. The way of life, right? A transformed heart leads to a transformed life. Not just my one-on-one time with the Lord, or maybe one-on-one time with another friend, where we are coming to the Lord. But everything about me is being redeemed by my King. King, and no greater way than to have somebody walking with you. I mean, we were all created. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now. I know that we are created for community. Absolutely. Right. What a great representation of community with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I mean, well, that's a team right there. Community. We were created to grow towards Him, to become more and more like Him in community. And you can't you can't get there without disciple making. Yeah. Right? We we you know, the local church wants to plant a lot of churches. We want to see a lot of huddles happen in camps all across Kansas City and and the world. Well, if that is your way then to, to then finally make disciples, you've got it backwards because making disciples answers the church planting 
question. Uh, making disciples answers the broken home issue. Making disciples answers all the social issues that we're going through. It's not just putting Jesus on the table. It is being the hands and feet of Jesus as the body of Christ. And you see that happen as we make disciples. And so that is, just like the gospel's answer, making disciples is the answer to everything. And it's hard. It's messy. It's not a quick fix. Uh, it's real. And um, it's it's what our king yeah. ordered. And I, I loved that you were talking about redeem or how God had redeemed those different areas. And I just want to say to the athlete that's listening, maybe you're halfway through your college career or you're at the beginning and you're like, I haven't done this right. I haven't, I didn't know Christ the last couple of years. How do I do this now? Like that was a part of my story. Like God redeemed how to be competitive and honor him. God was gracious in and working in me throughout college. And so I, I want to encourage you guys to, you can make disciples at any point of your life knowing Christ. Like this is such a gift that we have. And and even if you're feeling, man, I, I haven't been able to do this the last couple of years. Now's the time to start. No better time to start. And uh, just want to encourage you guys in that too. And Luke, I know that you've had a lot of experiences within the athletic world and being an athlete yourself. So I, I want to ask this question. What do you think it means to you to be more than an athlete? Hmm. So much of my identity and my feeling about myself through most of my life is wrapped up in success or failure. And um, even, even as an adult believer, as my heart being transformed and redeemed, still get caught up in in that, I mean, how did I do? I, I can't tell you how amazing I felt uh, for one week in college being, this is hilarious. Um, I hope the athlete, I hope this hits well with the athlete. Uh, my senior year uh, just had a really great week. And I think I, I think I hit, well, I hit like 700. I mean, it was stupid. We played five games, five or six games in the week and just, I mean, I just had a great week at the plate and was conference player of the week. Great. I mean, I felt like a million dollars. And I remember we started the next week and we were in the cage warming up and just doing the thing and, I'm, and just taking straight BP. And I'm like, something feels off today. What's the deal? Starts getting in your head. Like, I'm not centering the ball like I, I did last. Like, man, I, what's going on? Like... And I mean, I'm not, I'm a, I'm being honest. Like I thought I can't hit, I can't hit grace. I, I had to get played for later in that week. I mean, my coach said something. I was over the week striking out. I mean, I act like I'd never even seen a, a curveball before. Now I couldn't pick it up. Like all these things in my head. And so on one end of the spectrum at the end of one week, I felt like a million dollars. I felt like just so so good, right? I mean, that's that I can put special words on, but it just felt so good. And the end of the next week, I felt so bad, right? I mean, I felt value and I felt worthless in a matter of 20 days doing the same thing, uh, just with different results. And it's real. I mean, it is real. And so my success and failure affected my identity from a day-to-day 
basis. And like guys, it's so much easier said than done. I, I hope by the power of the Holy Spirit this connects with you, I'm gonna tell you it's not a overnight fix, it's a part of that redemption. And what I found that is um, there's not a single thing that I could do. There's, there's not a single accomplishment in the world sport or even in ministry that would make him love me more. He loves Luke. He loves Grace. He loves you, athlete, not who you're supposed to be. Right? He loves you. And he died for you. And true gospel humility comes from being able to peel away by the power of the Holy Spirit that identity that rests in success and failure. Um, a, a young athlete who's the son of one of our board members here in Kansas City uh, shared with his dad, who then shared with me, and I read a little book by Tim Keller. It's 50 pages. That includes the front and back cover. And for a guy who got 19 on his <laughs> ACT, now I did reveal that, uh, it's a pretty good deal. Uh, pretty good deal. It's my kind of book. The book is called The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. If I'd have read it as an athlete, it would have it would have been a part of my transformation back then because it's transforming. I read it this year. It's transforming my life now. And it's a breakdown from 1 Corinthians 3 and 4 that Tim Keller helps, not in the context of sport, but just helps the body of Christ see that our, our identity cannot be in success or fail. You've got you've to call that out because it will take you down and... What a great little little read. I don't recommend a lot of books because I've got thousands on my list that I've not gotten to yet. And so I'm, I'm sorry. I don't, don't add, carry the weight of that. But I'm telling you, uh, it's, a great, it's a great read that tackles this very issue. Yeah, so good. Luke, man, I am encouraged by all of this. And I think what was so neat is just you going back to the gospel. From the beginning to the end of this episode, we're going back to the gospel, and like you said, we need to preach this to ourselves every day. And I'm blessed by this conversation, and I know other athletes will be, and that's my prayer. So, Luke, thanks for your faithfulness and how you are following Christ because it is impacting others through Christ. So we appreciate you so much for being on here. Well, I, I thank you, Grace, for the opportunity and for what you're doing. It's, it's really special. Uh, this is something, this is a very unique um, message that you're more than an athlete and I'm in our, the sport world is broken and the athletes that are listening can be a part of the yeah. change. I mean, that's, it has to start somewhere. It has to start somewhere. There can be revival in sport. I mean, how amazing to be a part of that. I'm believing in that and God's using this in amazing ways. I'm really proud of his work in you, Grace, and thankful for you. I'm, I'm humbled to be a part of your team. Well, we are grateful to have you, Luke. All right, athletes, I hope you have a great rest of your week. Hey, we want to thank you for listening. Did you know that you could help More Than An Athlete by rating, reviewing, and subscribing? Follow us on Instagram at More Than An Athlete. And the more that you do this, the more athletes can tune in and find the content. We hope you found this week's episode helpful and encouraging.